0: Welcome back to another episode of Confessions from the Sidelines, and I'm your host, Sarah L. Cowart. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a minute to thank our sponsor. Y'all know how much I love CB Supplements. CB Supplements is a multi-collagen protein powder, meaning it contains all five types of collagen from four animal sources. Not to mention, it's the first and only multi-collagen protein powder, NSF certified for sport and supported by Dr. Kate. One thing I love about CV supplements is that it comes in unflavored and in three delicious flavors, chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry lemonade. You won't find a cleaner multi-collagen supplement out there. Head over to cvsupplements.com and grab yours today. Be sure to enter the code Sarah, S-A-R-A-H at checkout for $5 off. Now, on to today's episode. Today's guest is Sonia Montiel. Sonia has served more than 21 years in the college admissions profession, having extensive experience in the areas of freshman, transfer, and international admissions. She founded College Confidence in 2002 with the purpose of protecting the worth and authenticity of teens so that they feel ready to take on the world. Her students are more than engineers, business leaders, teachers, and doctors. They are innovators, creators, and compassionate problem solvers. Here is my conversation with Sonia. Hello, Sonia. I am so excited to hang out with you today. Oh my gosh,
1: me as well. Thank you so much for inviting me into this conversation. Oh,
0: and you know, and one of the reasons why I wanted to, for I wanted my audience to hear from you, especially is because of what you do and how you connect with high school students and their families.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, college confidence, you know, I have the word college in there. And sure, in the traditional sense, I do What college counselors do it's the Mm -hmm. process of so everything from high school course selection to building the college list and understanding majors and ultimately building this quality application, but I think you know Sarah that my untraditional side is always asking "Well, why, why are we even doing this in the first place.
0: Yeah, and I think that is such a big question to ask students because a lot of times they like get into high school, they're getting on this track, especially our student athletes. They're thinking I'm playing at the collegiate level, and the question of why often slips their mind because they've outlined this goal of where they want to go.
1: Right. Well, I think that I understand that. Um, you know, you and I were, were student athletes, mm-hmm. I and mean, we both happen to be soccer players. That's but right. It, it's so much easier to focus on a milestone or that fixed goal and work towards that fixed goal to get to the next goal. And that's why the why question kind of gets sidelined because it's easier. And for parents, yeah. when it says, oh, college process, what are the requirements? How competitive do I have to be? Or my kid, right? <laughs> my mm-hmm. kid has to be. We, we focus so much on those measurements that we forget about the all the other important parts as we're helping this young person define what their path experiences are going to be after high school.
0: That's right. And so
1: I I want to press pause and I'm walking alongside the student and the family and I'm raising the why and mm. the purpose of. What is the purpose of this? How are you making this decision? Because that critical thinking, the time management, all the things that you focus on as well means everything in terms of their success as college students and as adults, right? Yeah.
0: And so how do you, as you're working with parents and students, you know, I know you do a lot of work with from even freshman year of high school through the college process, but what, how do you really support them when you're asking these questions of why?
1: It's, you know, it's with kindness mm-hmm. <laughs> and understanding a teen brain. yeah, And really to me, it's, can we, can we please slow down the pace? Mm. Um, the, the slower the pace that we can be, the easier that a young person can absorb and learn. One of the common mistakes that families are doing is that they're waiting way too late to learn and apply at the same time. So, and I know with athletes, it's, they start much earlier, but mm-hmm. let's just pre- traditionally, oh, my team's now a junior. I guess we should start talking about, you know, college plans. Oh, yeah. Well, junior year is a time to begin the application process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you're trying to learn about the concepts and making decisions about, you know, what course, you know, like, oh, I didn't know this was required. When you're trying to learn about it, understand where you fit in it as a as a young as a teenager and family supporting that teenager and applying all at once. Well, that's why we hear all the anxiety and conflicts happening in the home. It's a crash. And so what I help is, hey, let's spread this out. And let's start really early, as early as eighth grade, when the teen's ready. And we're just dropping little, like ET, little recess pieces along the way. (laughs) And they follow it. And they're enjoying the recess pieces of that small nugget so that they're feeling much confident by the time they do apply.
0: Wow. And I mean, that's amazing that you can start this process so young, especially at that eighth grade level. I think a lot of parents maybe feel nervous about that, about Mm -hmm. thinking, Oh, the end is near of them being in my home, and yeah. and that and I, maybe they slow down that a little bit where they don't talk about it. So, what are some things that parents can do as they're dropping those little Reese's Pieces hints as they're going along to you know find out maybe some of the things they didn't know about their student?
1: Oh my gosh, and that this that this is magic because yes, I can easily say everyone you know drop that little small nugget of information, but it's hard. It takes work. Right. For parents and anyone who's raising this, this child, it takes a lot of internal work. And the first thing that I ask parents to do is to, to stop and reflect What the why for yourself as a parent. Oh. What biases and preferences do you have because of your own personal experience when you had access to college? I want parents to write those down. This is what it was for me growing up as a teen. This is what I heard from others. This limited me, this propelled me. And then after you write this down and think, and it would be amazing if you had a conversation with the other partner or those others raising the teen to share that. Now, this is just the adults only, not the teen in the room. Because what's more important is what language are we using that can hurt the process for our own Mm -hmm. child? So that is, we don't, we skip all of that. I don't think parents do that as part of college planning.
0: No, I mean, I'm reflecting back on my own journey and I definitely know like those conversations weren't brought up. You know, it was the expectation was, oh, you are you are going, but there wasn't really any conversation that happened until probably around my junior year maybe late sophomore year, only because I had an older brother who had just finished that process. Right. So it may have started a little you know, earlier for me, but I don't really feel like there was that much of that conversation happening. But then I also think about our students who maybe might be that first generation college student. And so how can we support those parents and those families as they're having these conversations with students, maybe in something they didn't ever experience?
1: For sure. And I, I... I... That's a very personal experience for me. Mm -hmm. My twin sister and I were first generation college going. Um, Both my parents were immigrants and then our father raised us. So single parent home. And, you know, of all of the biases and some of the biases for for our parents is I don't know anything. Or I attended college at another in another country and I don't Mm -hmm. know anything about the U.S. And it really comes down to one common denominator. It's fear. I'm afraid I don't know how to help my teen. I'm afraid I don't know enough. And so one of the things that's just so empowering is seek the help, you know, get the knowledge that you need. And so if you don't know, a lot of um, like my parent would ask me, how do you do this? I'm like, I don't know, Papa. (laughs) So, you know, I go to my high school counselor. Yeah. Um, there's so much resources nowadays Sarah you and I we're resources and if you can just get help from create your expand your village yes of adults to help got, fill you with knowledge as a parent and then we trickle down and then we there's much more clarity of the teen the process itself becomes much more enjoyable than oh, full of question mark
0: I love that you know we talk a lot about you know the village around us. And it's it's really helping us get through all this process. And especially from the student athlete side of thing, our students are so used to teamwork because they play on a team. And, you know, sometimes our parents, maybe the last time they played on a team was when they were eight years old. You know, they didn't experience this going to college thing. They didn't, you know, I feel like, so what you're saying here is really diving into those resources around you, whether it's someone like yourself who can to ask the right questions, you know, or if it's on the student athlete side and there's eligibility questions, you know, reaching out to someone like myself, it's really, really helpful and it helps break that barrier of fear.
1: Uh, That's it. I mean, you have clarity and transparency and, you know, you have people like us, like if any family had a question about anything, I want to guide them in the right direction, right? Because the thing is with, with our young people, the more clear the more better the decisions and their purpose and intent of whatever option there is after high school becomes more purposeful. And and I just really want to also um, I'm a big advocator for every team needs to know all of their options after high school, not just college, not just feeding this college bound. Like if you don't go this direction, then something less than happens. Every team needs to understand their six options after high school and then what a joy it is to to guide them through the decision making process of which path is best and the flexibility of intertwining these options together.
0: Yes. And and I think I was part of that product too of intertwining what options are there out, you know, out there, because I went to a small junior college right out of high school. And then when I transferred, I ended up at a very large division one institution, which most of our listeners know that was Auburn. And I can vividly remember that first day of class, I walked into a room of over 250 students for, and it was still a freshman level class because I needed to go back and pick up some of my gen eds, but as I sat that scene as a junior, I thought, I don't know that I would have been able to do this as an 18 year old freshman.
1: Right. Right. And the part of the, you know, slowing down the pace is that we are, we're dealing with young minds. And what I celebrate is their idealism, their creativity, <laughs> yes. you know, their optimism sometimes, sometimes maybe not as much, oh. but you want to feed that. And the more pressure and saying you have to these oh. are going to they're going to do one thing or the other. They're going to be obedient and say, I will do as you as told. Now, are we teaching them the skills to succeed as an independent college student when we, we create obedient students? No, we're not. The other reaction is you can't tell me what to do. I will do nothing. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Either of those outcomes are really scary. <laughs> I'm hearing
0: that. I'm hearing that question and answer happening in a lot of homes. <laughs> so it, that made me laugh a little bit as I think about it, but
1: it's so true. Yes. You corner them into a, a you know, you corner, you corner them and they have no options. They see no other pathway. It, any human being would freak out. So the nurturing, the love, the forgiveness, absolute patience. It takes work. It takes yeah. a lot of work. I have a 20 year old. So I
0: another, you've been through this process.
1: I have been through it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is what, this is what is needed in terms of parenting and getting the help, getting that village of coaches, counselors, teachers to help nurture the language really creates a healthy relationship between daughter and mother in in my case, parent and child. Um, And I get to start to celebrate her independence
0: Yes, yes. And I think about how much growth happens. You know, I'm thinking about it from an executive functioning skill. When we allow these students to see all of their options and we're kind of going through, okay, here's option A, large division one institution, or here's option D, you know, a junior college where the classroom size is maybe 20. And we also throw into not only the athlete part of that, but the academic side. Yes. And when we can see all of that ahead of them, and they know the options out there, they're actually practicing some of those executive functioning skills of thinking through the decision-making process, what they need to do, which in turn actually helps them when they're on a college campus by themselves without their parents around.
1: Oh my, and that's, that's the biggest concern I have now. In the last five years, I've had parents call me because of their mid-20-year-old coming back home feeling more lost than when they left for college Mm -hmm. and they're reverting back to childlike behaviors. And now there's, so this is, this is why it's such a concern in terms of the inability to cope with those challenges, the resilience, the grit, the resourcefulness, all of those things. And that, that has to begin in the home. We have to We, we as parents and educators need to walk alongside, not take over so they can practice what it is to make certain decisions and not work out, maybe there's a, or work out and have more confidence in themselves. It's resilience, right?
0: Right. And we often talk about here on the show, you know, sometimes our students do need to experience failure. And when they experience that failure, they grow so much, whether it's not making the team or, you know, I, this is the things I did studying for this exam, but it didn't work out as planned because I wasn't as focused or, and they, then when they see the big picture, they get to kind of internally dive into themselves and say, okay, I experienced this. Here's the lesson I learned from it. Here's how I can move forward. And, and I almost imagine that if a student, maybe, you know, student athlete transferring, maybe to a smaller school student athlete or a student going off to college and thinking, Oh, this is not for me. And coming back home, that almost overshadows all of the wins they did have
1: right right well and then also though it's in this path and the intertwining is wow i really thought this was the right fit for me but now i've realized for very particular reasons why it isn't and i am deciding to come back home to readjust as long as they know why right that's part of the growth And, and honestly so you know I don't have the words failure and mistakes in my vocabulary anymore. Yeah. They're discoveries. They're, they're oh, just I discoveries. Love that. I'm discovering something. I'm learning something and I'm turning. <laughs> like I'm twisting. I'm turning and I'm growing. Yes. Right. And so we, uh, we, we must not protect. We should protect our, our students and making sure that they have those discoveries. Yeah. How else are we going to learn about ourselves without them?
0: And I think that's, you know, when I think about what you do and how you help families play in and how you really dive into the why, Mm -hmm. those are the things that we can actually see come out of this and say, okay, I'm making the best decision for myself because I see all these options. I know where I might not fit, but I know why that's not the case.
1: And then can you imagine when parents actually observe this happening, the relief Right. Like, oh, my gosh, I can let go. I can start to let go. Yeah. Is there that, that fear is lessening. And so the why to me is not it's definitely with the student, but it's the family as a unit together. They're going through this inhale, exhale process throughout that teen year and the transition into college. And that is why we must include, you know, the the challenges and fears of those raising that child, because together as a unit, they cope and support each other the way that they communicate and lean in with each other. And they need that, that coaching and that guide. So that's the, that's that one half that I bring into college counseling.
0: Right. And so with our student athletes, they, you know, they almost ultimately have two decisions they're making here. They're making the original decision of I'm going to continue my education after high school, but then I'm also continuing my athletic ability after high school. How do they merge these together when making the, decision of saying here's what's the best fit for me academically but here's the best fit for me athletically
1: oh for sure and I always you know there there is another layer of the process in terms of athletic recruitment and becoming eligible communicating with coaches and regulations so I I don't well yes I some I warn families like and this is why we have to start early that's right but there are actually three tracks going on at the same time the traditional admissions because you got to get that application in and those requirements don't adjust for athletes. That's right. so the second layer is the athletic side, right? And there's decisions happening within that lane. And the third one is the financial aid and scholarships. That's not mm-hmm. necessarily tied to athletics, but should you do D2, D3, or club, you still are probably, you know, needing to do FAFSA, need-based applic- financial applications and scholarships. Right. So that's why we have a village of Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> But you're right. Um, And I think one thing is the flexibility as an athlete, because as teens are going through decision making process, they may discover, you know, I thought I absolutely loved this sport and it defined who I was. But as I'm making these decisions, I realize I just want it for fun or I do want to pursue this as as a full time commitment. The only way they're going to make that decision is knowing, well, what are what is expected of me? As a student. And this is where your experience came from on the university side. That's right. Is working with those students who probably mm-hmm. had this aha moment. Right.
0: That's right. That's and I think that's so key that you bring up the financial aid piece of it, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's also something we talk a lot about on the show is how do you determine, you know, if you're a headcount sport, an equivalency sport, D1 versus D three, how do they give out, you know, financial aid? And what do those decisions look like? And so to have those three things aligned and to start these conversations early actually is going to take a lot of pressure, not only off of the parents and families, but the student as well.
1: Yes. And one of the things too that I still am hearing is that students are waiting to be seen. Like, mm. oh, I'll just wait until I'm I'm recruited. And that that's a myth. It's you don't wait to be seen, you become right. seen, right? So there's a lot mm-hmm. of proactiveness going on in the athletic recruitment world. And, and there are steps to do that in a timely way and build those relationships with the that's coaches right. and the team on the other side. So start early. That's all we have to.
0: Um, I mean, really and truly thinking about the process in general, it's everything you want to start early. There's no I mean, but I also want to encourage parents if your student is a junior and you're listening and you think, oh, my gosh, we totally messed up. No, you did it. You just start today. You pick up right where you are today. You, you know, ask the high school counselor, um, Sonia, if they wanted to reach out to you, how could they do that? Oh, for
1: sure. Please reach out to me. Um, so email Sonia S-O-N-J-A at collegeconfidence.net. My website, collegeconfidence.net has all of the contacts. And I, with every family who just needs that first step, you can reach out to me. I'm available.
0: Perfect. And I think that that's so powerful to have because you can say, oh, I have somebody. Yes. yes. My student is a junior. I'm going to email Sonia. I'm going to make sure that we're in the right place. And we're seeing that I'm not too late. And right. I think that's the number one thing. So if you're listening and you have a student who's a junior, or maybe they're a senior, you're not too late. Remember, I, I started my college process of playing sports my senior season, which was a spring season. So just know, no one is ever too late to kind of get, take it to that next step. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. So, you know, our podcast is called Confessions from the Sidelines. So yes. I always ask our guests at the very end, what is your favorite memory from standing on the sidelines?
1: Can I cheat and just offer two, two lenses really quick? Oh, I would love to offer two I lenses. To, I have to give kudos to the best coach I've ever had. So in terms of as an athlete watching the sidelines, the best coach I've ever had was my father. Mm-hmm. So he's from Berlin, by the way. So <laughs> soccer was everything. He he came to our first rec game with a, cap, a three-piece suit. So. <laughs> But the reason why it's such a memory, because he was silent. He was quiet. Um, he always asked me permission before giving feedback. And it was always technical. And he always celebrated the growth. So it wasn't over-emotional. It wasn't pressure. It was walking alongside me as an athlete. And I just want to take time to celebrate him and just thank him for that. Yeah. Now, as a parent, being on the sidelines was the time, because then I ended up being a soccer coach, um, youth, uh, five through 16-year-olds. Yeah. And um, then my daughter decided to play lacrosse in high school. <laughs> I have, I'm like, I have no, I I have no parents. Yeah. Where, where is the manual sport?
0: for this sport?
1: <laughs> and to, to let go and to simply watch and enjoy my student, my, my student, my daughter in this game that was so foreign to me, I actually saw a human being grow in her own independence. I'm like, that's my daughter. And I just, there's just so much joy in just simply enjoying the play yeah. right, of lacrosse, which I still don't get all the rules, but that's oh, okay.
0: I am far. I still every time I watch a lacrosse match on TV, I'm trying to think, okay, what was that? What, what's going on? But it's, I also think people feel the same way about our sport, soccer. So it's very clear in terms of soccer here. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we could always go down the rabbit hole of how to explain offsides to people, <laughs> but you know, that's for another time. So. Okay. So thank you so much for being here and bringing so much wisdom. I know our parents will just, you know, dive into this and really enjoy hearing what you have to say. And we'll be sure to put all of those, that contact information, our show notes. So if anyone needs to reach out to you, they can.
1: Thank you so much. It's always such a joy to speak with you. Thank
0: you. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you found today's episode helpful, be sure to share it with your favorite students and also rate and review the show. And as always, I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines.